0: Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 47. This week, we talk with Min Mong about microcontroller mayhem and remote control lawnmowers, lots of awesome Windows 10 announcements, and Windows 10 coming to Android phones. Hey, today we have Min Mong. He is a software developer for Skyline Technologies. He's a user group leader for the Lake County .NET Users Group, and he's organizer for the Chicago Code Camp and that conference. How's it going, Min?
1: It's going pretty well. Glad to be on the show.
0: Yeah, welcome to the show. So let's see how's it going, Carl. It's going pretty good. Long time no see. Yeah. So what do what do you got going up? I so see you got something this weekend?
2: Uh, well, not this weekend. Next, Next weekend, weekend, actually, all three of us are mm-hmm. going to be speaking at the New Code Camp, so Northeast Wisconsin Code Camp. If anybody's in the area, it's a Code Camp for Developers. Not any specific platform or technology or anything like that. There's going to be all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, I'll be talking about. Uh, Windows uh live tiles. Um uh, I what are you talking about Jason?
0: I am talking about IoT. It's not just a buzzword. There's some there's some really cool stuff. So I recommend checking that out. And Min, what are you going to be talking about?
1: Uh I'll be talking on portable class libraries and how to consume them in, you know, all multi-platform development as well as uh consuming data from MVC websites such as okay. know, web API and OAuth.
0: Awesome. I will be there. And we have a birthday. Happy 17th birthday, Curl. Not Carl, Curl. <laughs> I was
2: going to say, it's not my birthday.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't get confused. So happy 17th birthday. I just thought, uh, thought I'd shout out to Curl. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. That's been around 17 years and it's uh, pretty influential on all the different platforms and very handy. Uh, Carl, what do we have for feedback
2: Uh, This week, we got a bunch of five-star reviews on iTunes. We'd like to thank everybody who does that. It really does mean a lot to us. Uh, It really bumps us up in their um, standings. So if you want to get mentioned on the show, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com. Comment to us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, Like I said, we really like the iTunes
0: reviews. Help spread the word about the show. Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you for those reviews. We really appreciate it. Okay, so what's going on this week? MS Dev show early reach of our goal. So yeah, we had we had set a goal. actually, you thought I was crazy. I had yeah. set a goal what? About nine months ago, ten months ago.
2: Yep. Uh, right, right after the, what the we saw what the first episode or two was, uh, yep. you basically said we should hit 20% go uh, growth every month. Mm-hmm. And then after that was over, a little bit extra bump to get to 50,000 downloads within the first year. Mm-hmm. And we are... Yeah, we've blown past we're, that. <laughs> we're almost three months away from our first year, and we are already way past that. So we'd like to... Th- Thank everybody for downloading it, listening to it, mentioning it to your coworkers
0: and friends. Yep. We're just having a good time here and uh, we really appreciate everybody listening. Okay. Let's see. We got MS build on GitHub. Did you see this one, Carl? I did hear about it. There's awesome.
2: There was a two day virtual conference put on by Microsoft that you could watch on channel nine this past week. And this was, you know, one of the many announcements that they had this week, Uh, a lot of news uh, that came out of that. And, uh, this was pretty big. You want to cover a little bit more about it, Jason? I don't know quite as much about MS Build as you do.
0: Well, I don't consider myself an MS Build expert. I like to push build and, and just have things work. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of people didn't realize though that you could jump into uh, the XML file, you know, the the build file for your project, and you could actually modify that. And it actually is a pretty extensive build system. You could you could use this before uh, before using like MS Build. I had used um N-ant, Um, and there's some other build systems out there for running, you know, tasks and sort of a procedural order, or, um, I think you can even do some stuff in, in parallel in here, but, uh, yeah, this is all open source and, you know, there's nothing particularly amazing that, that I want to use in here, uh, because it's open source now, but I know like, uh, things like mono can take advantage of this. Um, so that, that's great, uh, making that open source and, and, you know, just getting to where things should be. So it's just another step in that direction.
1: It's pretty cool that you know, Microsoft is going the open source route these days, yeah <coughs> in the past yeah, I, you, you know, past year or so.
0: Yeah, and I, uh, I hope that's kind of the default going forward. You know I, My opinion is you know things we, we should always start with that open by default thinking, unless there you know sometimes there are constraints and there's reasons why it can't be open source, that's fine, but that should be the exception, not the rule. and we're seeing a real trend toward that, so that's great. Uh, Dad, and the Ten Commandments of ego programming.
2: Yeah, this was actually an older blog post. It was written about three years ago, and it was advice that uh, this guy, as he was, you know, finishing up a computer science degree, got from his dad, who was, you know, about 40 years older than him, who worked in the industry. Mm -hmm. And what I thought was interesting is a lot of this advice is stuff that, you know, people are talking about now, like it's fresh. And this is something that, you you know, somebody who has 40 years of experience in the field, was giving out you know it's stuff like you are not your code you know right you you know i I see that a lot of times it happens to me you know i i write something that's really awesome and somebody just kind of tears it up a bit and it you know it is no reflection of me yeah it's reflection of the code itself
0: or the realization that you need to just delete all the code that you worked on for the past week you know i think mature developers ultimately uh you know see that as a good thing but you see a lot of developers that they really take that personally and they hang on to that code. And I just think that's, that's just a, it's just a bad idea. And I think that's a real sign of maturity when you can let that go. Yeah.
2: You know, and another piece of advice skipping down is, you know, don't be the coder in the corner, you know, be out, be social, you know, not saying that you got to go out and, you know, like all three of us, you know, be on a podcast, go out speaking or anything, but, you know, just talk to other people, you know, go on, you know, for a break, you know, have a beverage with somebody and just take the time to, you know, not be stuck in your monitor
0: all day. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah. This is all really good advice. Like you said, it's, it's just timeless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The next piece of news, I'm going to put a little bit of
2: backstory on. Uh, I was talking to somebody this week who, you know, I don't know the exact name of this, but he's from Europe and he writes uh, or he has a a website that essentially in English translates to Windows News. And he created an (laughs) app. He created an app that had basically submitted Windows News in whatever language he natively speaks. Well, it kept getting denied from the store because that technically violates Microsoft's intellectual property. Um, so as part of you know communicating with them, and uh, we found a, somebody else found a uh, a link that brought up this is what Microsoft trademarks are. This is the intellectual property that Microsoft legally has the rights to, and they put it all on one web page for you to just kind of quick go through. And they even went through the trouble to uh, put it into a bunch of different translations too. So if English isn't your, your native um, they, they have, you know, the top translations to go through. So um, they even have, you know, you can jump down to the alphabet. So they, they own the the rights to Tahoma for the font or right. true skill. I don't even know what that is, but it even goes <laughs> and says if they own the registered trademark or just a trademark or whatever, um so is
0: joanna dark (laughs) (laughs) oh it's a character that's interesting
2: yeah but either way i mean uh if if you do have uh you know an app or something that you're making uh it will get denied from the store if it contains uh some of this intellectual property on there just even the name of it so um this is something that obviously would have helped this guy out unfortunately you know he, he can't have it match up with his website which is fairly popular it's like that guy that's named Mike
0: Rowe Soft. Or, or no, he's, yeah, it was, it was Mike Rowe, and he, he made a company called Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, I looked in this list, too. I wanted to see if MS was in here, and it is not, thankfully, because that was one no. of my concerns with the, with the name of the show.
2: <laughs> well, well, actually, when uh, we did start the show, you did run our first logo and a few questions by legal. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I mean, we, we did clear that we wouldn't be violating anything, and we could continue ourselves as the MS dev show. Right,
1: but it's interesting that you know the. I thought that when you submit an app on Windows stores, uh, they validate and make sure that you know it. it you know it, it. It's an open, available name, but they wouldn't check it against their you know infringement and stuff. The trademark. Yeah, that yeah. is.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It's probably just a you know left hand right hand thing. I mean, whoever right. wrote that one page, you know, didn't didn't implement that functionality or it's on the backlog or whatever. So then it just gets. The the Slack gets picked up by, you know, whoever is validating the applications. Okay, CSS Sans. What is this about, Carl? You you, you put this in here, and I'm totally confused.
2: (laughs) So this is a font written entirely in CSS. Okay. So this is a Sans-style font. Um, If if you have the CSS, and you can download the CSS styles, um, and you just put, like, div class equals A, and just self-end that, it'll actually put a styled in this (laughs) font on there and what's also cool about the demo page is they show you um exactly um which you know which rules draw which part of the font so if you look at a for example you can actually hover over the they have a dot a dot a colon before and a dot a colon after and the a is actually just the the horizontal line connecting the, the two slants, whereas the before is the, the leading slant and a is the trailing or, or the after is the trailing slant. And you can do that for all of these. You can see what rules, you know, how they, how they actually physically draw the lines
0: on there. So, so I don't know. This is actually this useful, cool. right? I mean, you, uh, you, nobody would actually use this, would they?
2: You know, I, I wouldn't say a, nobody, I, I don't say nobody, tool. I don't say nobody would ever do it because <laughs> well should they do it i don't think anybody probably should do it okay but but i do think it's cool that you know you you can go uh and create not just letters out there but a very consistent looking font i mean this right right everything looks like it should go together um and once again i just thought it, it looked interesting so I, I put that out there if you want to see how they did it go to um css
0: uh, sans link on our show notes Yep. So just don't do this. Just go look how (laughs) they did it. (laughs) We're going to see, you know, like a a pull request to the MS dev show, like replacing all of our fonts with like the CSS font. (laughs) Denied. Yep. Okay. And then we got tons of Windows 10 stuff. So what do we got first here?
2: Uh, the first one is, uh, uh, I think these next several links come from WinHack, which was, uh, uh, put on uh, in China. So these are announcements that uh, Microsoft gave off. And the first link that we'll have and talk about is uh, a slide deck from the Wenhek presentation about Windows 10 and the phone minimum requirements. Um, I, I think this is kind of cool. I mean, there's not really a whole lot to pull out of here from a developer, but as somebody who has a Windows phone and really likes them, as well as you know tablets and other devices, um, one of the things that we find is um, Microsoft is supporting new system on a chips, not just more Qualcomm stuff. Because up until now, it's till now, it's just been all Qualcomm processors. But there's also going to be some Intel and AMD processors that they're going to be able to support on uh, on phones. Okay. Um, some of the cool things. I'm not going to go over all of these, um, but I, I did think that uh, it was interesting that they showed what what the supported resolutions are, and and they only mentioned that uh they didn't put a or actually i'll say it, they didn't put a cap on the higher end of the resolution they just said that um if or you have not. yeah if you have a resolution of 2560 by 2048 or higher you have to have at least four gigs of memory in a phone and i just think that would be one an awesome display <laughs> but two you know you get four gigs in a phone you know compared to current hardware that's definitely steps forward right right yep.
0: And yeah, now can you go through the other 25 slides please <laughs> <laughs> no it's yeah but you'll we'll have a link to this in the show notes there's actually a lot of cool i mean if you're into the the actual hardware and requirements this is actually kind of a cool deck yeah and then what's next let's see here Mass usb mass storage peripherals and hubs. so i'm gonna hook a, a hard drive up to my phone is that what's going on potentially okay uh,
2: I, I think one of the cool things with this too is you know it, windows uh 10 phones won't be just a um you know an endpoint. On a USB, they can also be um, the hub as well, right? So you can you can use it to connect to your computer to use as storage and shovel shovel things on and off. But you could also potentially hook a keyboard up to it, or like you said, mass storage and get that transfer that way.
0: Okay. Um, they even show a monitor here, so I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, over a USB, you can hook up monitors. So I've seen this happen. You know, I have like the Dell Venue Eight tablet and you can uh, over USB you can hook up a hub and I've seen people run like quad monitors off of that thing with the USB video drivers and then a mouse and keyboard so you could theoretically do the same thing with your phone.
2: Yep, and uh um there's also support for USB type C which is uh, uh you can use for high bandwidth, you can use for power. Mm-hmm. Um famously recently Apple's new MacBook, that's the only port on there. <laughs> but well. I mean it it goes to show that um this will this feature alone will be able to bring quite a few things. I had a kind of a joking back and forth between somebody on Twitter this week um, when I posted the link to this. He's like, oh, I'm really excited for this. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to be able to flip my USB in either way. And he's like, you have a supercomputer with your pocket, you can plug anything in, and you're excited about which way you can flip,
0: you know, plug it in? Yeah. Well, it's something I got to do every day.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But really, both things are big. I mean, you could potentially have a supercomputer in your pocket and you get to work and just put it into a dock via that USB-C port and be able to hook a
0: monitor and, and, and other hardware in there. Yeah. especially And, and that with, is pretty cool. Yeah. Especially with office running on the phone. I mean, it runs fast on there. Um, and with the full document fidelity, I mean, for a lot of people that that's actually getting close to what they need It's sort of getting back to that. I think it was like Samsung or they have, the, it was the Atrix or whatever. You could plug it in and, uh, power a monitor in that. And I don't know if that was any good, but you know, the, the, the further we get into the future here uh the more viable that becomes so that the difference in power between the the phone and the desktop just becomes m- m- more meaningless as we go
1: yep all you'll need is pretty much a keyboard and a mouse yeah if even right
0: yeah and then heck there's there's places you go i mean where there's already monitors or you're in a hotel room and you have uh tv right, right. and it's 1080p and you just hook up an hdmi cable
2: i know you've been waiting for that for a long time
0: yeah so I actually, I, you know, I haven't talked about this on the, on the show, but I bought this, uh, I'm going to go on a total tangent here, but I bought a 15 foot HDMI cable and I bought it off a of mono price. And at first I had bought uh, a mirror adapter, the Microsoft mirror adapter. And as expected, I left it in the first hotel I stayed in because the problem with it is you plug it into the HDMI port behind a TV and you can't see it. So when and you, you leave forget the, about it, yeah. So you leave the hotel and you never, you know, you look around and you don't see the thing. So I bought a 15 foot cable and it's, I search for ultra thin. So it's, it's like super thin. It weighs nothing. You it can barely feel it when you're holding onto it. And the way that they do it, since you cannot within spec of an HDMI cable, that thin, what they've done is they've actually put a chip in each end of the cable. They call it this uh, red mirror technology. And the cable becomes one directional. So you can, the, the ends are labeled. One says two TV and one says two PC or whatever, even, even though it works with whatever, but it sends the video, audio, all of that. And what's awesome is you can sit down in a hotel room, plug that into your device and then go plug it into the TV and you have zero lag, you know, over like mirror cast. You will get, you know, hundred milliseconds of lag is very perceptible whenever you're talking video or whenever you're trying to move your cursor around. So this is, this lets you extend that monitor. So it's kind of a, Pro tip for people is to go out to Monoprice and get one of those red mirror cables. I love mine. Uh, move on, Carl, to the yeah. next one. What do we got here? Microsoft wants to see speedier updates for windows phone. Fo- 10 phones. Well, everybody does, <laughs> but this is yep. project Milky way.
2: Yeah. And, and there's not a whole lot here, you know, details wise, but it officially releases that they have a goal that when they have um, an update for your phone, that everybody will be able to re- get it within four to six weeks. And we know right now with the carriers, I mean, there's still people waiting on denim.
0: Yeah. For, for Nokia and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and it's like the that. carriers holding it up. And so, it is. So what would happen? <laughs> I just like to see this happen, but this is probably like, you know, a horrible legal battle. What would happen if Microsoft just like flipped a switch and they just updated everybody's phones?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just bypassing
0: so, the carriers. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I have no idea. But uh, this is a little bit of speculation on my part, you know, doing some research into actually, you know, how and what they can, you know, push in an update. Mm-hmm. There's different like you, you you know in in Windows there's different rings in, in the OS. You have like ring 0 which is the, you know, all the super low level stuff and as they go up higher you you increment the numbers. As far as I understand, uh when it comes to whatever ring they're changing the higher up it is, is the easier it is to get through the carrier. Mm-hmm. So what I'm assuming here is Microsoft's trying to push as much as they can in, into those higher levels to make them easier to bypass through um, these, these carrier testing. Okay. So that is an assumption on my part. Um, So I just like to put that out there as a warning, but um,
0: yeah, it is really cool the, that they're putting the this developer preview program was like sort of a way around that too. Right. Right. Yeah. So just using yeah. that whole thing where it's like, wink, wink, you know, get into our developer preview program, get into this different ring.
1: I think it's just different. Yep. I mean, like all I was saying, it's just different levels and how much is is it going to impact the system? Because if you look at Apple, I mean, Apple, uh, since, you know, they, they push out every every few months. Right. Oh, they, yeah. And
0: they, they're totally able to bypass it, right?
1: Right. Yeah.
2: But I just think this is huge for a lot of people, you know, just being able to know that if they buy a Windows phone, they can be on whatever's current.
0: Cool. Let's see here. Developing Microsoft is developing a ROM that converts Android phones to Windows 10. This is cool. How does this This work? This was huge. Uh,
2: Microsoft announced that uh, they've been developing along with uh, a Chinese uh, carrier or not carrier, but device maker Xiaomi, Mm -hmm. that um, they're working that of creating ROMs for existing Android phones that you just install the ROM and you get Windows 10. Not some funky Android that looks like Windows 10, but you will get Windows 10 for phone.
0: Yeah, so what what was keeping this from working previously? Because it, it's always like there's there's like some magic to getting a different operating system on a phone. Because like you have the M8, and yep. I know that there's an Android variant, but you can't flash Android on your phone, can you?
2: Correct. I, I cannot do that. So, that is what, yeah, so that what's they actually
0: different about it?
2: Um, They didn't go into details on that. mm mm-hmm. But they did say that it will be up to the consumer to be able to acquire and put that down, you know, install it. So I'm assuming it's going to be a lot like how a current Android user has to go to some shady website. Yeah. Except the shady website will be Microsoft.com.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to say on that? No, I just think
2: that's really awesome and uh, could lead to a, a lot of people moving to the Windows
0: Phone community. Well, heck yeah. I mean, if I had an Android phone, well, actually, I do have one here. Um, I have one of every kind, but um, I mean, I would I would just try, if I was an Android person and didn't try Windows Phone, I mean, that's that's a cool way to try it for a week, two weeks, 30 days. Yeah, and then put your old ROM back on.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the crazy thing is this, it has, I've seen it earlier in the days of Android when you used to have, you, you can buy a... Um, HTC, um, HD or something like that. And you can, mm-hmm. it's a windows mobile device. So it's pre windows phone and you can flash not only windows phone seven, but also Android OS on it. And it was working by well, one directional. Now it's, now this sounds like it's going to be bi-directional, which is going to be really cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'd like to understand what the, what the magic is that makes it like locked to one OS, if it's something in like the bootloader or, or how that works. Um, cause that seems almost like anti-competitive, although, you know, like we said with the M8, I mean, it's the same hardware vendor, so, you know, they obviously don't care. <laughs> so very interesting. Okay. So let's get into questions. Let's talk to Min. So how's it going, man?
1: Uh, going pretty good.
0: So you've worked on a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Um, I've seen some of your videos and, and looked at some of your projects and they're pretty awesome actually. <laughs> so, so I'm really excited to be talking to you.
1: Uh, well, it's more like, you know, med med science experience gone. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> half yeah. <the> yeah. Time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I know. Yeah. I know. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of your stuff and that, that's, yeah, it definitely has that vibe. So, you know, you do a lot of robotics work, for example. So kind of let's, let's start from the beginning, you know, how did you like, what you, what got you into that? What drove you to do that?
1: Well, when I was a kid my brother came home one day and said, Hey, you know, I, I was o- over at my, you know, our dad's Friend's house, and you know, mm-hmm. I saw this really cool robot, and then since then I've just been kind of like taking about my toys, and you know, trying to figure out how things work, uh, and then <clears throat> and I would just make you know statues of eight cartons that look like robots or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, the, my first real experience with you know actual messing with you know electronics and software together is probably in. My college years, when I was doing my degree with distinctions project, so I was making a robotic controlled arm. Um, it was just I bought a kit online, and it, it all it had is like a pretty much like a joystick, and you can move the motors up right. and down, and it will, it would just power it up. Um, however, I wanted to interface to it using a uh, Windows mobile device at that time, so it's like a you know one of those PDA devices at that time, and. How I hooked it and it, and what I used at that time was I used a uh, microcontroller called Basic stem two, and it mm-hmm. was written in basic language um, The interesting thing at that time was i i didn't know enough about the uh, I got the project to work, but i didn't know enough about how the different possibilities I could use with it, so the way I was communicating from the pocket pc to the to the microcontroller was via a uh, infrared light okay and each command the first command will be really fast because i would do like one blast at a time however yeah. as i as the pro you know the commands get longer and you know i'm doing the 10th command then i need like a hundred command you know a hundred flashes of light to right. to decode through and it would take forever so um but you know it that's that's the first project that actually got me hooked into the microcontroller stuff
0: Okay. How'd you actually hook the chip up then to the controller? Cause I, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the hard part for me starting. Like I have, I do some IOT stuff and I can, I can get sensors working with certain things, but you know, to actually tear something like that apart, like I saw the arm you were talking about and yeah, you're right. It had like the, like, you know, little like remote control car, um, remote with it that I think was, it was hardwired in, right? The remote was? it was hardwired in. Go yeah. So, so you take apart that remote and, um, you know how did you actually wire the controller into that then
1: So I pretty much what I did was I took the con- the remote control apart and in the back there's I figured out which you know which points on the circuit board uh, actually if I touch them together it you know oh, okay. completes the so circuit you,
0: by closing the circuit Correct. it's it's actually doing it right. okay
1: So I, I interfaced gotcha. it with uh, a bunch of uh, I think I interfaced it with maybe like nine relays at that time. Okay. So if I'm sending commands, I can actually hear the things go click, 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 click all the right. way through, which is which is cool. Um, uh, relays are nice uh, if you want to do basic stuff. But, you know, you really have to watch out for what the load is and what the amperage is for triggering those relays as well.
0: Right,
2: right. So I- – how much does something like this, like a, you know, a small project like this, cost you? Not not just in, in in money, but in time as well. Because I know a lot of people like me, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of free time because I've got a bunch of kids, and because I have a bunch of kids, I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> you know, you know, but I still want to do this stuff. This stuff always has sounded interesting to me. What you know, what kind of investment do I have to make in both those aspects?
1: If I were to start today, um, I will pick a. Arduino, uh, microcontroller, they, I mean, they are everywhere and they, you can actually go to, you know, fries or there you go, Jason, you, he just showed me. <laughs> I just showed yes, one on the camera. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, they're, they're very cheap. They, you can get, you don't have to buy a Arduino brand one. You can get a, um, a clone version of it. And those run as low as, um, you know, like 10, 10 bucks. So start with that. That will actually start with that with, um, always get a breadboard and some LEDs. So that, will, that way you can actually figure out if something's working or not. Because you don't have a, um, you don't have a monitor in front of you, so you, you you can't debug as well as you want to.
2: All right, so let, let, let's just break this apart just so I make sure everybody understands. So if I get an Arduino, that's what I can write my code against and load it onto my Arduino and the code will run. Correct. And then a
1: breadboard is what? A breadboard is... Um, mm-hmm. It's... it's It looks like, in theory, it looks like bread. Um, It's it's a little plastic. It's a a little block of plastic. It's got a bunch of uh, rails connected to it underneath. However, on the plastic, it's it's got a bunch of holes. So you, they go by columns at a time. So one column would be holes. Any pins that you put into that thing, they will be all connected in one column.
2: So it's kind of a cheater way to wire something together, but not have to have it like soldered and be permanent.
1: Correct. It's a, it's a All great, right. it's a perfect prototyping uh, tool. So I usually have not only, I have one that is about two inches big. i I also have a different breadboard. That's about three, you know, like probably about three inches by about, I don't know, six or seven inches um, in dimensions. Uh, it's bigger, but uh, it also gives me a lot, a lot more freedom in terms of the number of accessories I'm connecting to it and stuff like that. So it's a great way. You don't need to worry about soldering. Um, you just have to make sure that you have a few wires. So that's another thing that you'll want to buy um, these um, wiring. You know, just any w- a set of wires that you can buy on on uh, Amazon for like five bucks.
0: Yeah, I think I've seen kits that's like a breadboard plus a ton of wires and all that stuff for right. yeah, just a few bucks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't worry about getting like LCDs when you're just starting off because it. That stuff gets really complex if you don't know what you're doing and, and or, or you get a really simple LCD that does a serial communication for you on that thing.
2: All right, so just to get started, it would just be, you know, that Arduino or other similar kind of controller, something to make my wiring easier and then maybe just a couple of LEDs or other random sensors, a grab bag perhaps. I know they have those at like SparkFun and stuff like that. Right. And then just kind of, Figure it out and just play with what you have.
1: Exactly. Um, I will get if you want to do something like you know handle like motion and stuff like that in terms of if you want to control a motor and stuff like that. There's two routes that you can go with. Um, One is you can get something called like a motor, um, a stepper motor driver or a motor driver. Um, It's a costly approach, or you can get a uh, relay. And the thing with the relays is it's either on or off. So you will and you will hear it. And you don't want to drop the relays because some of them are pretty sensitive, and you could break them. However, the other the, the motor controller chips are not as sensitive. You know, they're all solid state.
0: I'm sensing that you've broken some. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I, I've not only broken some, I've smelt some, <laughs> and, and, and they have burnt my finger too. Because um, if you try to, if you try the thing with the motor controllers is you need to make sure that you your motor has a certain amperage load that it can it will suck out of the circuit and if you are if your motor let's say if you have a big motor and it's taking about i don't know 20 amps and you're using um, a motor controller that is only meant for one amp you will definitely burn it out in like a matter of seconds
0: I thought that was the cologne that you were wearing, but I guess it's just the smell of uh, burnt electronics. I always smell.
1: You will sell. You don't want to ask my wife.
0: <laughs> All right. Speaking of your relatives, um,
1: I,
2: I know your brother Lewin as well, and I know that he's got a lot of very similar interests. How does having you know a geeky brother like that help you with these projects?
1: Actually, we kind of you know thrive off of each other. You know, we pit each other against you know different tasks and different projects. So if I, you know, if if I don't have well another thing is it also helps with the budgeting wise
0: <laughs> oh yeah that's a good point
1: um so we so one good project that we the two of us actually started to get into after the my robotic arm um, experience was my robotic lawn mower the whole pro the whole thing runs on two um it runs on two power wheel uh, power wheel toy cars so right. those are the, those are the little cars that you know the kids drive on right and we and do- they're pretty, and they're actually pretty strong. They're very strong. They yeah. can each one can carry um, my brother, who who is pretty hefty. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's one nice way of saying it. It will it, it will it will move him along. It won't be super fast, but it will move him along. However, yeah. with two of them put together, the load's a lot lighter, and um, it it will move him along at a fairly good speed. That is without us overclocking it or you know overpowering it. Mm-hmm. So we started with that that project and i chipped in for one of the power wheels and my brother wanted to he's like well i don't think one's gonna be enough it barely moves me we're gonna get two of them and let's see what happens so we ended up buying two of them and before i knew it we had a whole garage full of like four or five of these power wheel cars
0: yeah i think i can't remember if it was if it was you or your brother you were talking about going to uh Um, a garage or it was like on Craigslist or garage sale or something. And you ended up buying a whole bunch of power wheels for this project. That's my brother. Yeah. (laughs) I came home
1: one day from work and he's like, guess (laughs) what I got in my car. And he has like two of them stacked. And there's like two in the garage. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh, the kids will have fun. Oh, those are for us. Okay. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: At the end of the day, we, what we ended up taking is just the, the gear shaft i mean pretty much the 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 motor and the gear we didn't even keep the you know the the pedal controls we just kept the batteries the gears and the wheels that's all we mm-hmm. kept and we made a whole new frame out of pvc piping and it's pretty much a rectangle with a hollow thing in the middle that way we can put our lawnmower in the middle of it yeah. So we will take the wheels off the lawnmower and we'll drop it into the middle of it and we'll attach it with some screws, right? So that's what the initial design of that was. Um,
0: so most people, you know, push around their lawnmower, but not you.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I have a pretty big lawn and, you know, one there's one area by the road where it, it can be a little bit, you know, gnarly that, you know, th- there are rocks and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't I, I don't like getting things you know, rocks sent to my shins. It, it hurts. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, no, nothing better than controlling with a, you know, phone.
0: Yeah. So that was the first iteration then. And then what modifications did you make after that?
1: Well, the first iteration used, um, relays. Yeah. And then the, within, within a week, we changed the iteration to have, um, the motor controllers. Um, we were running and it was running pretty well. We spent about 70 bucks on a nice motor controller. Um, we're running around, and that's a, that's actually a funny story because at that time we we're using a uh, Adam um, Adam computer laptop on the on the on the vehicle, and mm-hmm. we were controlling it via Wi-Fi to our phones. And over time. It got out of range, and the mis- and the vehicle would just keep going. <laughs> and, and when you so, see so that uh, it's going, so an
0: automated death machine,
1: right? When you see that it's going, and it's about to he- enter into my neighbor's yard and then go over the road. You freak out. <laughs> you drop the phone and you run after it and you just un- start unplugging wires off of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. But we. Um, so in a different instance of that, we ran out of range and it hit one of the trees and it pretty much burned out one of our uh, one of our micro, uh, you know the motor controllers. Yeah. It, that's when we realized that this you know this little hobby that we just started it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we ended up spending it. so to overcome that we start adding fuses to it that way you know if the load goes over a certain amperage, it will burn the fuse out which that's is cheaper. Idea. Also we add, we ended up putting in over 160 dollars worth of uh, motor controllers into that thing afterwards
0: okay so, so do
1: you do you still use that thing today we still use it um we have different platforms for it one for presentation mode which actually shoots nerf dots yeah um another one where we actually would drive it to our coke camps and stuff like that and it will haul you know cans of coke and stuff like that that way i don't have to Lift it from the, you know, parking lot all the way into the building.
0: You know, that that's actually this thing is sounding pretty useful, right? Because once <laughs> you once you have this remote control, you know, like sort of generic vehicle, right? That's mm-hmm. that's awesome. If you can if you can sort of plug in the mower or you can, you know, just put like a cooler on it or boxes. Right. Uh put your brother on it, you know, hook up a nerf gun. That's that's awesome.
1: And the great thing is it will go on almost any terrains and it's um it doesn't have its steering wheel, so it's it's pretty much like a tank. So it will Yeah it will turn on the spot to, you know, any direction that you want and you can go off from that.
0: That is really cool. So can you like, can, is there a video camera on it so you can sort of sit around and, and drive it from the camera or do you have to watch it?
1: Um, we have a camera on that one because we, in it, the first iteration, we had a, the camera on it because um, it was running a WCF service on there mm-hmm. um, and it was capturing um, the webcam pictures and it was just saving them and then whenever I was on the mobile device, I was just calling those images up. So depending on how fast I'm pulling at it, it looks almost like real feed. Okay. Um, it's cheating. It's not true streaming, but you know, it gets, it gets a job done.
0: Yeah. I'm just thinking that'd be really cool to have a, have a camera, maybe mount it up a little bit with kind of a wide field of view. So, you know, you, you safety first, right? So you can see if anybody gets in the way or any pets or anything, but you could just sit there and mow your lawn that way. That'd be pretty fun.
1: Yeah. Well, um, the best part is, you know, while we're, the best part is when we were um, prototyping and testing this thing in the front of my yard. My neighbor was actually watering her plants, and she saw my she saw us driving this thing around and mowing like, oh, the no, grass. Oh no, not again! And she pretty much just kept staring, and she pretty much didn't do anything. She was frozen for like a few <laughs> minutes, and it was the best experience because the main reason I did this thing is not because I was lazy. It's because I got tired of her uh, her son. Getting on a tractor lawnmower and going yeah. around zip 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 on his front yard and going back in within five minutes. Yeah. While I'm doing this thing for thirty minutes at the front yard.
0: <laughs> oh man, that thing is awesome. I I got to see that thing mowing the lawn sometime. Do you have a video of that up or not?
1: I do not have a video of that one. Um, okay. Because I lawn. saw
0: the video where you were like you you had some kind of, you had weaponized it and uh you were shooting something yes and uh and then also your brother got on it and was you were driving it around
1: <laughs> yeah yeah um th- we the it, right now if i take a video of it the frame's a little bit dirty right now so i'll have to clean it up <laughs> okay <laughs> cool
2: so can you tell us a little bit more about you know your weaponized remote control vehicle um you know i mean you said that you bring it to presentations, uh, you know, what do you do with it, you know, other than just let everybody take a turn shooting things? Yeah.
0: And you said it's the same, it's all the same frame, right?
1: Correct. You it, just have actually, a module? It, it's, it's on different frames. We just take okay. the motors up and okay. the, the, the microcontroller off of it. Okay. So the sec, So back to the different iterations. Um, the sec, second iteration we got, we moved out of um, a computer and we put on a Arduino uh, with the ethernet and a router on it. Mm-hmm. So it, it uses a lot less power, and you know it's it's a little bit quicker to control. Mm-hmm. Um, the current iteration is now on Arduino, and it's running on a uh, Wi-Fi chip. So, um, yeah, it's, we have we bring the the whole unit out, and normally what we present on is like Arduino One Hundred One, pretty much to get people interested in it um, and show them the basics, like you know, for example, how to control them, how to control motors. With a, micro, with a uh, motor controller, for example, and how it's simple and it doesn't take that long to, you know, figure out the math and everything else to get, get what you need done. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then we show that, you know, within a few weeks you can get from a um, microcontroller of just blinking lights all the way to controlling it pretty much a radio control car.
0: Yeah, and, and fully weaponized.
1: Right, fully weaponized, of course.
0: <laughs> so, so how did you hook that up?
1: Um, I found, <laughs> I, I I found this.
0: Um, and it's Nerf. It's a Nerf gun for the listeners.
1: Right, it's it's a Nerf Vulcan. <laughs> and the good thing is Nerf already has most of the electronics hooked for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses a, um, I believe it uses like a seven volt combination. It, it uses C cell batteries, but when you when you put them in together, it comes out to be like seven or nine volts. Uh, okay and the trigger is pretty much completing the circuitry oh, so okay.
0: so you don't have to physically pull the trigger you can just uh right. i can just short it out i can yep.
1: yeah uh that's what we ended up doing and instead of using a nine volt trigger a nine volt battery we just hooked it up to a 12 volt so that it shoots a little bit faster and farther
0: <laughs> there you go so we'll, we'll link the video that in the uh, in the show notes that was pretty awesome
1: thanks
2: so When I was talking to Jason, uh, before the show, he had mentioned that you had made your own circuit boards and had them etched. So I was wondering, you know, one, what's that process like? And two, you know, how do you know when to kind of go from, you know, you take your breadboarding to something a little bit more permanent, you know, how do you take that and know when, when is it the right time to go to your own circuit board?
1: That's a really good question because, uh, when is the right time? <laughs> well, you
2: know, I'm, I'm looking at this as a software engineer. I yes. mean, I've done a lot of software yeah. stuff. Um, when I was in the military, I did a lot of hardware stuff, but that was kind of all two totally different parts of my lives. And, um, looking at it back from the software side, you know, I, I understand that, okay, I have the controller that does stuff. I need to wire it to do things. And, um, you know there i understand that printing that circuit board you know is you know wiring things up you know why what why or why did you at least make your decisions to make your uh circuit boards and get them matched
1: so the arduino boards that you you normally get it's it's pretty much for really good for like quick starting and prototyping so they have a bunch of uh, GPIO pins open, and you can just con- connect little wires into those holes and connect to the breadboard, which is great. Um, however, if you're putting it on, let's just say, a motorized vehicle, and that's running, you know, out of control, things could get loose if it's running over, you know, if it's running over different things. So, the wiring can get loose if I'm taking it to somebody's house to show what I'm doing. It could get loose, and I will have to figure out you know, where I plug the wires in because I may not have the whole circuitry, you know, hand-drawn out and, you know, memorized by heart. So, um, once I... the Normally, the my best approach is I would prototype it, test it out a few times, um, make sure that I don't want to add any more additional components to it. If I do, I I would make sure that I will have at least four options, f- you know, a few options, X amount of options that you need ported out, meaning um, I would draw out different pins to so that you can solder additional stuff onto it if needed. So okay. um, I'll have maybe like one or two additional uh, digital connectors and a few uh, analogs so that I can control like, you know, strobe lights for the vehicle mm. or uh, a, temp- a light sensor, you know, to figure out if it's dark enough in the daytime. And if it's, you know, if it's too dark outside, then I'll have, I'll use a second Digital port and turn the lights on in the vehicle, for example. So it's just about scalability, and you want to plan that little bits of it out ahead of time, but you don't need to implement it right, right then and there. Uh, that's how I would normally do it. Um, and so when you have most of your idea flushed out, as in it's pretty much working the way you want, but you might want to, you know, you might want to leave a few things open. That's how I normally approach my projects, and then I would start. Um, doing the whole etching process on my own, I would never send I would never draw a circuit board diagram and send it to a shop actually i I lied because I did that and it 's a very costly <laughs> mistake. Uh, you will want to do it a few times and make sure that it is the way that you want obviously there 's going to be times when it gets the circuit boards get complicated, meaning it 's not just one sided it could be double sided or it could be three layers mm-hmm. Then so, it becomes really complex.
2: So you mentioned drawing this. Is there some sort of like standard tool or you know output that you have to generate when you do have something that you want? You know how how does that work?
1: I and use, how easy is it? I use this thing called uh, um, uh I use this uh, software called Eagle by Ketsoft Actually, um, it's it's a very simple. It looks very intimidating. It's but it's very it's very simple to use. I would say look online, uh, look on YouTube, follow a few tutorials on how to do it. I can probably look up uh, a link for you and give it to you after after the show. That way, you can put it on the website as well on how to uh, put these together. That's how I started mine. And there was a really good tutorial that I went through, maybe like 10 or 12 videos. And uh, you just start drawing out these wiring, the wiring path from one. You know, from one port to another, and so on and so forth. And before you know it, you have the full, complete product. If That's you want to, cool. obviously, there's a beginner level where you just make sure that you, you have all the things connected the way it is, yep. and it looks fine. It will work fine. However, if you want to take it to the next level, then you will want to, you know, uh, do stuff like shielding where you don't etch away all the all the um, all the copper from the plastic board. However, you only etch away the unnecessary copper off of the board, and that's that's a higher level of experience that you you will want to get to down the line.
0: Cool. I can't see myself doing that anytime soon, but that sounds like sounds like it's neat. I'd love to see that sometime.
1: The the whole processing stuff. It's processing these um when you start you know etching these boards. It's really really very very interesting because if depending on how which method you go with, I like using like the photo um light-sensitive method Mm -hmm. where, you know, I just take, like, a. I actually have a red light bulb and I go into my bathroom and I, you know, bathe this thing, this copper board in there. And then when I'm done with it, I pretty much put it into acid and it will just dissolve away unnecessary bonds. And one time, my brother and I were doing this and to dissolve away the, the copper shield, we were actually doing it in our garage. And it was probably about 8 in the evening, and the garage lights open, and you can see us opening <laughs> and closing this thing, and we have these big industrial gas masks on our face. So it's
0: like Breaking Bad.
1: Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like that. <laughs> and we're running back and forth from our from house. So the cops show up thinking
0: around. you have a meth lab.
1: Right. <laughs> the, and then eventually we're like, we've got to stop this now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, um,
2: have you done anything interesting with home automation?
1: Actually I have um I actually worked on um a garage door opener um a couple like probably about 2 years ago. Uh I've used it I've tried using it with uh Node.js and obviously Windows 8 and um Windows Phone on that um uh, to open and close garage doors and our, the first iteration we used a um, Arduino. the second iteration we I used the Arduino with a Wi-Fi uh, module on it. Uh, now Arduino is great, um, but if you want to make a product of your own, then you want to be you want to have a circuit board and You want to understand your circuitry um, that you can easily transfer to a circuit board. So they are both open source, just so you know, just so people are aware, um, mm. they're both are open open hardware. So you can you can easily find the schematics online for the Arduino chipset as well as the Arduino chipset, and you can make your own as well.
0: Cool. Uh, so what are you working on these days?
1: I'm still working on home automation stuff. Uh, Okay. um, Stuff around my house pretty much right now um, that I'm in the middle of prototyping and.
0: Okay. And you're, so you're building most of that yourself.
1: I'm building most of it myself and, um, and I'm using my own 3d printer on so that I can fit the right housing and stuff like that. So it's, it's, Almost professional, I would say, but, you know, it's it's not... It's, so you're, it, you're doing it's,
0: ho, uh, home automation on hardcore mode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you could say that. Um, the, the good thing is, you know, I, I got the 3D printer, which is really good. Um, and it, it will pretty much put my projects... If I have the circuit board printed and everything else, yeah. then um, it's really tight and looks really like a finished product. Okay. Which is really cool.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm sure, totally. And have you done anything with Raspberry Pi or, or Raspberry Pi Two?
1: Uh, I have used the Raspberry Pi, um, not two. I need to get the two. Oh, Jason, his, oh, oh, oh man, Jason just he,
0: just, he just, he just, Fell over because I showed him my Raspberry Pi Two. Yeah, my heart sank <laughs> when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he just dropped his headphones and walked away. <laughs> I um, think, I think you can. I think these are in stock now. I think you can get your hands on yeah. one.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I do need to get a Raspberry Pi so that I can put a um, Windows 10 when it comes out with IoT on it. That would be a really, really cool to interface with it. Um, yeah.
2: <clears throat> I think that's really going to open up a lot of, you know, potential for, you know, people who are used to programming for Windows. Now, all of a sudden, are going to feel comfortable now that they have a such a compact device like that to program against. Uh, yeah,
0: it's oh, a little bit more palatable than, you know, Linux and C++. You know, oh, not yeah. that there's anything wrong with those but it's just like you said the the windows developers um yeah this is going to feel much more at
1: home to them the, the experience is also different when when you write when i was writing uh on the natuino stuff i was able to you know put a breakpoint in the middle of my loop and this is in the mid cycle of the you know the microcontroller and you're literally controlling the the chip and saying stop where you are i'm right. going to see what variables are there and why it's breaking and all this stuff versus you know Arduino it's much harder to you know put a breakpoint and stuff like that. So this is this um the win the Windows IoT is gonna be it's gonna change things for you know average people like you know most most of us that are you know just software developers.
0: Yeah. I mean this thing it's got a gig of RAM, it's thirty five bucks. Mm-hmm. It's got I mean it's incredible because it's got let me I'm gonna take it out of the box here. Again, I have opened it before. <laughs> I did just get this though. But it's got uh, four USB ports on it. You know, they're all kind of jammed in there into a pretty small space. Ethernet, HDMI, audio, micro USB, and then it's got all these GPIO ports on it. I mean, for thirty-five bucks, it's just it's just amazing. So I could, I mean, that's cheap enough that that I mean, you could have you know ten of these things around your house, and that wouldn't be that big of a stretch.
1: No, uh, th- actually, what I'm trying to get to one one of the projects I'm trying to get to is. Um, I have a Raspberry Pi uh, B Plus right now, um, which is the version before yours. Yep. Um, there's two projects I'm working with. That one is um, one is nothing more than me using it to control my three D printer, and the other is uh, I w- I'm using I want to use it as a centralized hub location where I can process all the heavy duty stuff. You know, yeah. to control the stuff to, to to control the little microcontrollers. So it's going to be great to control. Something like a uh, Raspberry Pi 2 is great, you know, if you want to connect to the internet, you know, do authentication, all this other stuff. The heavy the heavy lifting is going to be done on that. Yeah,
0: because it's got plenty of power. I mean, it, it looks small, but, I mean, don't be, uh, you know, discounting this thing because it's, it's a full computer with, you know, yeah. with a lot of power, especially when it comes to, like, headless things like that.
1: Right. It's because it it gets much, much trickier and harder the more you try to stuff into a... Um, to a smaller microcontroller where it doesn't have Mm -hmm. as much processing power as well as, you know, memory and space, disk space. So something like this where, you know, the disk space is going to be expandable because of the SD card, it's going to be much, it will give you a lot more room to breathe and expand on your projects as much as you want.
0: Right. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we move on?
1: Not at the top of my head right now. Um,
0: okay. Well, that means that our questions are pretty good and comprehensive.
1: <laughs> oh, um, the, if, if you want to start on, you know, working with low level microcontrollers, start with Arduino. You can find that on Arduino CC, Arduino.cc. Yep. Um, another great place to find sample code as well as, you know, what, and understand what you're buying in and, you know, read on product reviews. It's going to be spark fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Sparkfun's great because a lot of the circuitry they were also they are also, you know, open hardware so you can actually get the eagle schematics off of there so you can print your own circuitry. Oh, that's pretty cool. And not only print but expand out on what you have. So you can integrate let's just say you know I have a uh, Arduino and I want to I have a motor controller and I want to make a radio control car. I can put the two mo- motor controller and Arduino circuitry together just by downloading the two of them online, mm-hmm. which is going to be which, which will make your life a lot simpler and quicker yep. to jumpstart. Another, um, another place that you can look up stuff is going to be um, Adafruit. Adafruit doesn't open the schematics from my experience as much, but they do have a great uh, tutorial uh, and they have different uh, libraries and stuff that you can download for your you know, different users. So it, those are really good places to check out your stuff.
0: Okay, very cool. Thank you. Uh, let's see, Azure Pick of the Week so this is actually a blog post from a colleague of mine. Uh, this is from Igor. Um, this is called Azure SQL DB and SQL Server VM, how to make an equal cost comparison. So, you know, we get a lot of questions about <clears throat> SQL Server running in a virtual machine in Azure versus just run using the SQL database service that's available. So this helps break that down a little bit. And what's kind of cool about this is that the hosted version of SQL has really grown up over time and it's gotten really powerful. Um, what's, what's neat about it. And some of the, the key things that he mentions here is that whenever you first look at it, it looks like it's a lot more expensive, but whenever you start to really compare these things, you'll see that you get, um, with the hosted version, you get predictable performance. You're basically paying for the level of performance that you want and you are getting things like, um, high availability. So it's doing, you know, automatic replication and it's also doing, uh, things where you can get a point in time restore and things like that. Um, let's see what else high availability you get the disaster recovery uh there's some compliance that it automatically meets uh it's possible to do scale out so being able to scale this thing up and down at pretty short notice is nice um and then also the ability to um not worry about sql licensing uh because that's all bundled into that one price for the hosted version um and then again just being able to scale up or down with the hosted version so there's a, there's a couple different uh, options there. So I recommend checking out this blog post. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. But it's just a great comparison if you've heard of SQL Database and you're not quite sure which one you want to use. And Carl, what do you got for the app of the week?
2: Um, I have two apps of the week this week. The first one is called Concert Wall for Windows Phone. Okay. And I was in... Um, Communication with uh, the developer. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention his last name because I'm going to butcher it, but his name is Glenn. And uh, on Twitter, it's at Depeche is his Twitter handle. And this is actually a really awesome app um, on the on the Outlooks. And I challenge everybody to just dig into it. On the Outlooks, um, you'll find music that's playing live in your area so well, that's cool finding finding the nearby concerts but as I dug into this I found some other really cool side uses of this so if you also if you have a lastfM account you can integrate with that so it'll pull in all of that information from lastfM um, it it knows the venues you can get directions to the venues it knows um, uh, obviously the artists that, that will be there and you can dig into the artist information and actually play their music it'll open up Xbox uh, music right to that, the artist um, CD or even you know song that you see from his app, and it'll deep link right into there and start playing it, which I That's j- really just cool. blew my mind. So I have, as a result, been using this to discover music that I would never have found otherwise. Um, you can also pin venues and artists um, as secondary tiles um, to your start screen. Just, I mean, a ton of... Th- features and is pretty well thought out so uh glenn great job um the second app of the week that i have this week is actually one that we've mentioned before but it's coming out of beta it's called maestro and it's a it's a mail client for windows phone um they've been able to uh last over the last few months put a just you know a lot of thought and polish into it and get it kicked out of the door into uh you know full mode and unfortunately for its first 24 hours it was free um so by the time that this podcast comes out that uh will no longer uh be available i don't know what the price is oh you should tweet that out just so it's already
0: gone oh it says free online oh it does it yeah so so it's just for a little i know it says free for the first 24 hours but it doesn't say when that started
2: (laughs) yeah so uh maybe i'll try to get that out uh as soon as the show's over see if a few of you guys can get that for free but uh if you're looking into something other than the built-in mail app check
0: out maestro on windows phone cool, and it's got the swiping where you can do the the delete um or archive that's
1: pretty cool i'll have to go download it on my windows phone
0: yeah get it get it it's well <coughs> free okay man we play a game on here that you you are aware of pick a number between one and four please three three okay while stranded at sea, would you rather be on a good, safe boat with no food, or be on, a, on an old, worn-out raft with a box of food?
1: I would say go with a safe boat. I can always break it down and figure out what I need to do to catch fish. Yeah,
0: that's what I was thinking. Like, could you? Yeah, could you get some uh, get some fish somehow? It doesn't really say if you have like a a net or anything.
1: Yeah, because you know, if I'm on on a you know broken-down boat, then uh, and I eat all my food, I'm I'm kind of you know stranded.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it says a good, safe boat. If it's a good boat, then just, you know, like, drive it somewhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Unless
0: you don't have the keys for it. Whatever, whatever you call that with a boat. <laughs> okay, Carl, we'll pick a number. Uh, one. One. Would you rather be friends with a witch or a giant? <laughs> Some of these are interesting. <laughs> uh I don't know.
2: A giant's just a really big person. I mean, maybe asking ooh. you for food. And,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you get the check this time, Carl? <laughs> just,
2: no, you can't. You can't. You can't ride shotgun. No, that's not going to work. Yeah. You're going to the roof off. I don't. You know, this is obviously for kids. I'll say witch. Okay.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, maybe the witch can can turn you into a giant or something.
2: And maybe she can. Uh, yeah, but then she would
0: be the one that has the giant friend.
2: Well, maybe she can whip me up a good safe boat and some food.
0: <laughs> well, then send it to Min. <laughs> I heard that uh, I heard that he needs it. Okay, Min, where can people find you? Carl has like thirty links in here, but what what what's the best place for uh, people to find you online?
1: Uh, the best place right now would be um, you can get you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. I'm I'm on there. Otherwise, um, you can also f- uh, try to contact me through uh, Twitter. I uh, you can contact me at uh, I am Min Mong. Okay. I am M I N M A U N G.
0: Okay. We'll have a link to that in the show notes.
1: Yep. <clears throat> <clears throat> or you can f- find my <throat> blogs that I occasionally post at bytecode.com.
0: Cool. I'll have to check that out. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer or at WPDevGuy.com. Excellent. You can find me at ytechie.com or you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. Min, thanks again for coming on the show. It's awesome talking to you about robo- robots and robotics.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at show.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and
1: feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com.